What's going on guys? It's Cassius here from the Second Floor Podcast. This is where we talk about how to survive, how to thrive, and keep the good vibes going in life and in business. Today we have a guest that I've known for many, many years. His name is Dunna. Dunna is a music producer, he's an entrepreneur, and he is now a YouTuber. I've known Dunna since I started making music myself. He uh, used to create uh, uh, my instrumentals, uh, my music, my songs uh, at Resonate. Resonate is a uh, music studio and school, the top music studio and school, I gotta say, uh, in Edmonton. So definitely check them out. But Dunna, me and Dunna had a great conversation about his journey through uh, music production, what he's doing now with photography and videography and the content he's creating on his YouTube channel. He is closing in uh, currently right now at uh, close to 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. He's creating a great influence um, for himself and for uh, his audience, the value he brings. He talks about video tutorials, um, certain gear, goes to gear review. I was super excited to, to kind of pick his brain about uh, his journey, kind of where he started in music production and creating content in general. I mean, this is a guy who's done, who's done it all. For those who are interested in video production, uh, photography, uh, or if you're a creator yourself, I think you're gonna find a lot of value from this episode. So definitely, definitely tune in. Here we go. Thank you, man, for coming. Thanks, man. Thanks I appreciate for it. Me. Yeah. Thanks for coming on to the second floor. Good to be here. Yes, yes. <laughs> Finally, I, I wanted you on the podcast for for a very long time. We've been talking about it a minute. <laughs> we yeah. have, we have, yeah. And uh, I kind of want to start basically way back before you kind of got into uh, the creative space. You know, you've been doing music, you've been doing photos, you've been doing videos, you've been you've been doing a lot. And uh, I want to kind of take it back to where that all kind of started. How did it start for you? Where, where was that kind of that music bug that hit you? And then, yeah. Yeah, so, well, when I was really young, uh, they found out that I had a really high midichlorian count and that I was gonna be a Jedi. Okay. <laughs> um, it, I don't know, the, the music thing hit me really early. I think, I think a lot of it had to do with having a really great music teacher um, in, in like, well, I had the, I had the same music teacher from, I think it was like grade three all the way to grade 11, basically, um, through, she kept moving up schools. So I would miss her for like a year and I would have another teacher, but then like I'd move up to junior high school and she was the band teacher there. And then she moved up to the high school that I then moved to afterwards. So I had her for like a long time and she's just a fantastic teacher that really like put the bug in in me to like love music and stuff and I don't know if it was the same for everybody that was in my classes or whatever but like I had a really good connection with her and that that started things as well as uh my mom was like always in in bands and stuff too so she like she played in a, a wedding band for it had to be 10 or 15 years wow. and so I was like going to the going to their gigs sometimes and like you know watching my mom sing and she taught me uh, Sweet Home Alabama on guitar was the first song I ever learned on guitar and she's singing around the house and like we always had really interesting music playing in the house it wasn't just like 
whatever was popular at the time. We were listening to to CKUA and stuff in, in Lloydminster and, and hearing really interesting kind of music. And so I had a really diverse upbringing as far as music goes. And uh, uh, Dad always joked that he couldn't play the CD player, so... Uh, I don't. Yeah. I don't know if it came from any of it came from him. Although he had good, he had good uh, taste, in my opinion, in music. He liked yeah. some some cool like oldies rock and stuff, and Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass and and stuff like that. So it was like, I think music was was always kind of around me because of my parents, and then I think it just solidified when I had a really good experience with music. Uh, kind of more directly as far as like growing up uh, and and going to school and learning about it that way. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was kind of where I guess it all it all started. And then uh, in high school, I I decided I wanted to be a, a radio personality was the goal. I wanted to go to get a communications degree or diploma or whatever and and go into radio basically. And so I went to my high school. Uh, what are they called now? Like the, the person that helps you decide what kind of school you're going to go, like guidance counselor or whatever. And, uh, my high school guidance counselor at the time was, uh, on the way to retirement and was like, maybe not quite all there anymore. And thought that she was giving me like a pamphlet for a communications program, but instead was giving me the, or maybe, maybe she was doing it on purpose and I didn't know. But uh, but gave me this this pamphlet for a recording school and it like it really clicked for me. All of a sudden, it was like, oh, that's that's a thing you can do. You can you can record people. You can record bands and stuff. Because I'd been playing in bands all through high school and that kind of stuff, and uh, and doing the the pop punk emo thing uh, <laughs> when it was when it was a thing. Yeah. And uh, and so like I I knew that I liked recording and I knew like I liked bands and I wanted to you know play rock and roll and that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden it was like. I had this pamphlet in my hand that kind of made it tangible yeah. that made it like a thing like, Oh, I can make a living doing this. That's, that seems insane to me. And so then I, I went to that school and, uh, and got my recording diploma. And that was kind of the start of like a professional career in, in music in some way or another. Mm. Yeah. Now you, did you play a lot of instruments while you were in high school? Did you tamper around with different different sounds and stuff? Yeah, like, so, I mean, in band class, I played trombone. So starting kind of grade oh, five nice. was the, was the you know, you, you going from grade five to six, you, you go to the, the band room and you try out all the different instruments and try and decide, and then they just tell you what they need in the band anyway, no matter what you decided. <laughs> so they needed trombone players in this specific band. And so I ended up playing trombone throughout junior high and high school, but probably around grade I would say probably around grade nine no it had to be earlier than that probably grade seven I guess my like was when I kind of started trying to play guitar a little bit um my the guitarist in my mom's band used to be the drummer but wasn't really playing drums anymore and so he lent us his old drum kit and so I had a drum kit in the basement so I started like fiddling around with the drums and stuff so I was playing playing drums and guitar a little bit. I started writing songs around the same time. And that was about when I started my, my first band, uh, with a couple other guys from school. Uh, we were called echo of sanity. Nice. Uh, I don't think anything exists on the internet because it wasn't, it wasn't the day and age where you could just like record yourself easily at that point. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, 
but yeah, it was, uh, and that was kind of the, the start of like being a multi-instrumentalist and, and that kind of stuff. Cause I had the, the trombone, which never went anywhere. And then the drums and the guitar, which I still play both of really regularly and ended up going to going to college for drums specifically. So, yeah. yeah. Nice. And then that's kind of when you saw that you could do it full time. Is that, is that correct? Kind of, yeah. So I mean, it, that that was like the I, the the point when I really saw that I could do it full time was when that that pamphlet, mm. you know, like, and I, that was that was that grade twelve. Yeah, that would have been grade grade twelve. 12? Yeah, okay, I cool. Guess maybe grade end of grade eleven when they start getting you to think about that stuff. And and I loved music, and I knew that I wanted to be involved in music, and so I thought that radio and being like a radio personality or whatever you want to call that, like, would be a good way to try and get a little bit of that in there i'm still involved in music we're playing music i'm talking in between the music that kind of stuff i think partially i wanted to i actually wanted to be a music director on a radio station i didn't know what that was at the time but i wanted to be the person who picked the music um and i had uh, i had done a shadowing thing with a radio dj in in lloydminster um, and got to go to like go to work with him and basically like hang out for a couple of days and and see what it was all like and and that was like a really cool experience and that was when I think I kind of made that decision mm-hmm. and then for a couple of years that was like basically all I had on my mind and then I got that got that nudge and all of a sudden it was like I don't I can like actually go make music for a living and and because it was always like it didn't seem viable to play music for a living which now I know it can be but um, it seemed more viable to pick something that was kind of like in the same arena, but not just like, I'm going to be a musician kind of thing. Right. Um, and recording engineer seemed like it's like one level detached, but still cool and still useful for me because I could record my own stuff. Mm-hmm. So then it like kind of had this dual purpose for me. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. And so when you kind of finished finished high school, did you kind of just go right into recording and get getting clients and just kind of trying to make money off? off uh... I went straight to college. So I, I went to that, that college that is like a private college. They yeah. do like, they take a, a two year program and squish it into 11 months basically. Okay. So after that 11 months, then you ended up. Yeah. Yeah. And so actually, so, okay. So extending the story a little bit there. I uh, saw so 2005, I graduate college or sorry, I graduate high school. I go like two months later, I'm in Ontario going to college. Um, and I did my, my one year, my 11 months at that, the private college out there called uh, OERT, the Ontario Institute of Audio Recording Technology. It's like, a, it's like a single program. You don't choose any of your classes. It's 60 students every year that like just kind of come and go. Like there's no, it's because it's not a multi-year thing. Everybody takes all the same classes. Everybody's in the same stuff all at the same time. Um, which was really cool, a really cool experience. Um, so I did that and then they, every year they hire back some of the top students, uh, to be what they call interns, which are essentially like, uh, teacher's assistants. So like during the like lecture time, if you will, we would like help out with some of the classes and stuff. But our main priority was in the evenings when there was like practical time, there were all these different recording studios and that was like lab time. We would do those. We would be supervising or teaching some. So I did, I was an intern for a year at the school. So basically I had two years in, in uh, recording college. And then I came back to Alberta and I went to Grant McEwen um, for music. So I did another diploma in music with a major in drum performance. And then after that, I went back into the music program at Grant McEwen again and did a, a second, second year, uh, to get a major in composition. Wow. 
So I have three diplomas. I have my recording, my drum, and my uh, music composition. Now, what led to that? Was it more so you felt like you wanted to learn those specific things and you kind of had an idea? Is that why you kept going back and yeah. getting those diplomas? Yeah, I'm kind of like, if I could be a, a lifelong student, I probably would be. Um, I as, So after recording school, I wanted to... I didn't want to like hop into the cycle that a lot of uh, recording people did where they like went to a studio and like they were like the coffee boy until they got to be an assistant, until they got to be a mix engineer or whatever and like work my way up the, the scale there. And I really had interest in writing music. So when I went to Grant McEwen, my goal was to uh, take the music composition major and uh, uh, I really wanted to write music for video games, which I don't necessarily have the the desire to do anymore. But yeah. um, when you're in when you're in the music program in McEwen, the first year is common first year. Everybody takes all the same stuff, um, and it's just kind of like a more of a general knowledge, like getting you up to a certain level in your music knowledge. And then the second year of the diploma is where you pick your major. So after my first year, I had to have like a main instrument. So before I went into um, before I went into Grant McEwen, I took six months of drum lessons. Guitar was my main instrument. And for some reason I decided I wanted to go into drums. Yeah. Um, so I took six months of drum lessons to kind of prepare me for college basically. And then I took, um, drums as my main instrument in my first year. And at the end of the year, I was doing well in all the like drum basic or the drum centric classes. And so the head of the drum department basically said, uh, you should come back next year instead of, I, he was like, I know you want to go into composition into that major, but I think you should come back and do the drum performance major. You'll do well in it. You'll learn a lot and you can always come back and redo composition afterwards where it might not be able to work the other way because the drum program is very competitive. Um, and first years have priority going into second year over people coming back to just finish second year. So I could only, I might not ever get back into the drum program the second year if I wait and I decide later, oh, I should have done that kind of thing. So I did my drum performance first based on, I guess, pressure from my teacher. Uh, good pressure, but. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then after I was done my my drum performance, I followed through with what I was there to do basically, which was. Um, do the music composition, which only really needed because I already had a lot of the classes to complete a music diploma. Uh, I only really had to take like four or five classes to get my my composition diploma as well. Nice, um, which was was really cool. So I got kind of like a double diploma in the same program. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that's that's great. How did it turn into? So you finish, you finish all these diplomas. Yeah. You got it going. <laughs> I got all these pieces of paper. You got all these pieces of paper. Yeah. So what did you transition into afterwards? Was it resonate? Did resonate come into the mix? I know obviously you and Mike have had a long yeah. uh, relationship. You guys have been friends for a very long time. Where did the idea of resonate come in? Or was this a couple of years afterwards? Kind of tell me what happened after you finished school. Yeah. So after, after Grant McEwen, and actually while I was in my... Uh, uh, my final year in the in the composition diploma, I started teaching because that's like a, a viable way to uh, for musicians to kind of make money while they're trying to pursue music is like to is to teach music lessons. And so I was teaching out of this school um, in St. Albert, and that was actually where I met Mike. Um, 
and uh, but yeah, so I was teaching during during that year and kind of working in the store that was attached to the to the school and stuff. And they also had a recording studio, so I was running their recording studio. So I was doing all sorts of things up at this this one place and uh, in the recording studio. I can't remember if it was while I was in my my final year, if it was afterwards. But while I was in the recording studio, I was running like a digital music production course, and Mike came in to take it. And Mike being Mike being my business partner at Resonate, obviously, um, being the business brain, he started, we got like two lessons in and he started getting clients. So he had these, he had this like uh, trio of singers that he was recording out of his little uh, basement studio at home. And he came in like for the third lesson or whatever. And he's like, hey, I've got these girls that I'm recording, but all we've gotten to is like turning up the microphone. I need you to like mix them for me. So he wanted to like bring them in, charge them to record, and then basically outsource the mixing to me. And so we kind of started to have this, this back and forth that way and, uh, and just seemed to work really well together. And it was kind of at that point that we, we started talking as just, I mean, as, as friends and whatever, at, like about music schools and, and that kind of stuff. And, and, yeah, it was uh, it was kind of there where it it sparked, and then when I uh, left there, I was teaching at another place, and we started doing a recording company together. Was um, that coffee? That was coffee, coffee productions. productions. Yeah, yes, the, I remember the basement. that. Yeah, I remember that. So I had a I had a townhouse with a basement, so we used the we had a little studio there, and then Mike also had his little spot, and so he would record people, and and generally I think I mixed most of the projects, mm -hmm. but uh, and we had always just in the back of our heads, we were always like, if if it ever makes sense. Yeah. Well, uh, it would be cool to do a school like, you know, that's something that would be a fun business to run and that kind of stuff. And it could have a studio in it. And yeah. and uh, yeah, eventually just like it kind of kept kept building and building. And I think Mike was uh, Mike was still working in the car industry. He was he was working, doing stuff with cars. And I don't know exactly what he was doing. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just like there was there was a point where he kind of said, OK, it's now or never. Like we're going to start looking for spaces like if you're in. That's great. Uh, both myself and my wife. Um, so Megan, my wife had uh, a pile of like manager experience. She was manager at Starbucks and, and had actually, when I was working at this, the school that I met Mike at, she was kind of managing their school as well. So she had experience doing that. So it was kind of this trio when we started resonate and, uh, uh, yeah. So Mike kind of just said like, it's now or never, like, I'm ready to do this. Like, can you guys make this happen? Uh, so Megan was the manager of the school. Mike was kind of the general manager, business guy, and then I managed the studio. And we had this little, this perfect little triangle of the the three kind of departments and stuff. And mm -hmm. that's uh, that's the the birth of Resonate, I guess. Yeah. And how was that decision for you? Like, how did that kind of play in your head? Did it? Obviously, that's a huge leap yeah. for anyone. You know, you know, you're you're trying to build your life. You're trying to you know, everyone has bills to pay. And so how did that process look like? Was it a quick yes? Like, yes, I've been wanting to take the leap and I just needed, you know, the right people around me. Or was it something that you and Megan and Mike had to really sit down and kind of go through? And was it a long process? How did it, how was it for you? Because yeah. I know how it was for Mike, yeah. but how was it for you? It was, uh... It was tough. I had just actually started a, a an online 
uh, business diploma okay. or a business degree, I should say, as well. So no I, way. I ended up, so still learning. I ended up, yeah, like yeah. I, I wanted to, I knew that, and I knew that it was a possibility. It's something that, like I said, like me and Mike had been throwing around forever and we, we still had coffee productions going at the time. Yeah. So it was something that like I wanted to learn more about business and I wanted to like be able to kind of take on more of that um, cause, cause Mike is very much like a self-starter in that capacity and he'll like, he'll go read books and stuff, but I, I need kind of the structure of school to really get me to do things like that or specific things. Anyway, some things I'm a self-starter on, but like with business, it was like, I want to learn, but I don't know where to start and, yeah. and, and that kind of thing. So I started taking this business degree, got like a student loan and all those kinds of things. And then, uh, and then sure enough, a couple months later, Mike was like, Hey, now or never, like we're, we're going to do this. Like, are you guys in? And how old were you at this point? It was, well, I'm 32 now and it was seven and a half years ago. So okay. Yeah. 20 something. Yeah. You were young. <laughs> yeah. 25, yeah, yeah. 24, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Like my math is not working right now. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, it was, uh, and I don't know if it was a quick decision or if it was a slow one. Obviously there were like, there was a lot of talk about it. Like we, both Megan and I had jobs that were like reasonably paying. Neither of us were really like stoked on them. So it was like, as far as like going to do something else, I think we were both, both excited, but yeah, obviously you got to think about like, um, when anytime you're starting up a business like that, like I think the conversation went something like how much can you reasonably live off of? That's going to be your salary basically. Like, you know, we, we needed to know that there was some kind of security, but it was, it was going to have to be like, you know, put, put whatever you can into the business. And we did for, for a bunch of years. Uh, Megan worked there for, for about three years before she decided to go do some other stuff. So mm -hmm. yeah, but uh, it was, so it was, uh, it happened quickly. I don't know. <laughs> That's just kind of the way that I think uh, the resonate has always happened, though. Every time we, we make a decision, it's like it, it, it goes from being an idea to being a reality very quickly. Yeah. yeah. And how much, how much are you involved, I guess, now? Because obviously you're interested in business and um, you obviously are an entrepreneur. How much has the business side, how much are you interested in the business side of things? Or do you... Do you kind of take, and I know you said that you, you know, you take care of the recordings and, and, and whatnot, but how much of that have you learned just based off experience versus the stuff that you've actually read? I probably, as far as like the business side of Resonate, I'm probably involved about 1%. Like I have very little involvement in that. Like my main job is just like to be kind of the, the manager of the studio. And that's evolved over, over the years. Like I think at first it was very much, uh, a collaborative effort between Mike and Megan and myself um, to kind of help each other in all of our roles. And then eventually what happened is that each of those roles became more specialized and became busy enough that like each of us needed to be focusing on our own thing. Um, and so then, yeah, we kind of each stepped into those, those kinds of roles. Obviously there are some like some business parts of managing the studio, but on the, like the grand scheme of what I see as the like business stuff, most of that is handled by Mike. And that was always kind of the, the arrangement. It was like, you know, like I said, Megan manages the school. I manage the studio. Mike is the, the business brain, the, the general manager. 
general yeah. manager and president. <laughs> yeah. President. Official name. Yeah. Official, official. Official. I think that's what it said on his, on his business card when yeah. we started up. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. How have you managed your creative side over the process of since when you started not well (laughs) well no it's i mean it's it's tough and i know that you and i have talked about this before referring to specifically like my my videography and photography is that when after five years of being in the studio and answering to the clients that come in and that kind of stuff i basically like stopped making my own music because at the end of a nine to twelve hour day in the studio, the last thing I wanted to do was go back in the is, studio. Is go back in the studio and do more of my music. And yeah. I didn't really have a good space at home to do that, nor was I like inspired to do it kind of thing. And there are definitely projects within the studio that are really creatively fulfilling. But there are also a number of ones where I'm kind of just I don't want to say like going through the motion because it's like you can't really do that and get away with it. Like people see through that. So you have to like, but you're almost like forcing yourself to be creative and that's like extremely tiring after a while. And and it just, it makes it so that you don't necessarily want to do more of it. It's not that I'm, uh, you know, I'm unhappy with the amount of it that I'm doing for work, but it doesn't necessarily make me want to like, like I said, add those extra couple of hours of like creativity for me. Every once in a while, something would happen. Most of the time, like if I'm having a rough week, it would like make me want to like let something out in in a creative way in the studio. But for the most part, um, I was kind of slightly pursuing like a, a bit of a solo thing where I was trying to make my own music for a while, and I released a couple of songs, and then it just kind of it just kind of tailed off. I couldn't keep my own interest in it up. Um, mostly because it felt like work. It felt like an extension of my job, not yeah. so much like my own thing. Um, so yeah, creativity creativity in that sense was tough until I found something else to do, basically. Something else that doesn't doesn't feel necessarily like an extension of my job kind of thing. Yeah, and so how did you find that? I know you're super heavy into um, photography and videography, and uh, you've been building your YouTube channel, obviously, yeah. which we'll get into a little bit later. But um, how did you decide to, you know, where, where did the idea of just, you know, picking up the camera and then um, going through it, and how did you find that passion for, for photos and video? Yeah. Where did that come in? Um, honestly, I think it, it kind of started with, I think I just started editing my iPhone photos. Like, just like even within Instagram like using the the editing features, which are more powerful than people know, but like instead of just snap a picture and post it, it was snap a picture, take some time and finesse it so that it looked nice. And then you start to realize the the limitations that come with with that. Or I started looking up tutorials on like how to make that even better. It's like I always like I'm I'm a uh, like I said, I, I like to learn. And so I always want to like make things a little bit better if I can. And, uh, and that was just one of those things where I, I wanted to get a little bit better at making my photos look nice. And then of course you run into, you run into YouTubers or whatever who are, who are good at what they do. And they're saying, well, I get this by, by, because I have this camera. And if you want to get this look, you're going to need this kind of dynamic range, which you can't get with the phone. So then, you know, and so then, uh, we were going to, Megan and I were going to Mexico for Christmas to visit my family out there. And, uh, um, 
and I was like, well, it would be cool to have like a camera, like a, a real camera with a sensor in it that like is bigger than, you know, a, a, a ant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I wanted to, I wanted to have a, a decent camera that I could kind of capture the moments on our holiday. So I went out and picked up a, a reasonably priced camera and, and took it out there. And, uh, what was your first camera? Just the, the one that I took on that holiday was a Sony a 5100. 5100. Yeah. And I bought it at Best Buy yeah. and I, I didn't know that you had to, that you had to keep the sensor clean. I didn't know that that was a thing. I didn't know you yeah. could like get it dirty or whatever. So I had like a couple of lenses and I was like switching lenses, but like being very haphazard about it. And like, just like, and I'm in Mexico and it's dusty and like yeah. all that kind of stuff. And, and I just like, I got some of my photos and there were like spots all over them. Oh, and I didn't know what that was at the time. And so, and then I found out, at, I found out after, yeah, well, and the funny part is that I didn't find out until I got back from Mexico and returned the camera because I was like, there's something wrong with this camera. It's got spots all over the, all over the pictures. And they're, yeah. they, I mean, it was Best Buy, so they didn't know any better. They yeah. don't have like a real photo department person. So, uh, so they took the camera back and I, I was just like, can you give me another one? And they're like, we don't have any of these. So then I actually got a, uh, a Sony a 6,000, which at the time was the same price. It's like a little bit more of a photo camera. Uh, the 5,100 had a flip up screen, but no mic input. Uh, oh, actually the 6,000 doesn't have a mic input either, but it had, it had a little bit more control and that kind of stuff, but no flip up screen. So, mm -hmm. and I was at the time I was also trying to kind of vlog a little bit and like, I wanted to try and do a, a Mexico vlog while I was there because I had just started getting into into vloggers and that kind of thing. So yeah. I didn't end up actually making anything out of that trip. I, all the photos went to went out to the family and stuff. But nice. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of the first the first foray into into that, and then it just kept building. And I, I found out I wanted to do a YouTube channel and and started to do more kind of vlog based content. Yeah. So when with. did that, when did that start the YouTube channel? When, what, what, what it year? Was two and a half years ago, something okay. like that. 2017, I guess, yeah. early 2017. Okay. So Cause I would have got, I got the recent. camera. Yeah. I got the camera December, 2016. I yeah. Believe. Yeah. So then I started the channel and threw up a, I think one of my first videos was like me shaving yeah. and it was like, cause I use a, I use a, uh, safety razor, which is like the old school style where it's like just the single blade in there. Okay. And so it's like, there are a bunch of channels on YouTube dedicated to this style of shaving, which is like super weird just watching people shaving. But, <laughs> um, and there are like, and it's, it's kind of fun too. There was this one guy, uh, his channel name is Lennon Sinatra and he just like, he has a camera right in front of him and he just like, he shaves and he talks. And he's a voiceover actor, so he's got a really nice voice. And uh, but he just like sits there and shaves. And at the start of his videos, he'll be like, "Hey, we're using this razor today." Like he's got like a collection of these vintage razors that he uses. And and he's like, "And uh, you know, this company sent me this uh, this type of shaving soap, so we're gonna try that today and see how it foams up or whatever, you know, like that kind of stuff." So yeah. there's like a little bit talking about the process, and then he just mostly babbled about his day. And I was really? like super intrigued by that. So the video that I made was, 
was more of a like time lapse. It was, I, I stuck, I got a suction cup thing and I stuck my camera up on the mirror of this bathroom and, uh, and did the whole shaving thing. And then just like would put text up on the side of the screen saying what I was doing, like what the process is. Cause it's a little bit different than just like shaving with a, a, a kind of a Gillette razor. Well, I guess yeah. Gillette was, they made those old ones too, but yeah. you're, you're kind of more typical disposable razor anyway. It's a little bit different because you do like three passes and that kind of stuff. And yeah. so I did like a little, it was supposed to be like informational or whatever, but like a nice quick video on that. Cool. And that was like one of the first ones that I posted and then some vlogging stuff and, you know, me going to the gym and, me going to work and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, so this was kind of, at this time, it was kind of just whatever kind of, was kind of fun. And yeah, whatever was happening in my day, that was that was what I was capturing, yeah. Yeah, yeah so it wasn't, it wasn't really informational or anything, and then, yeah, I just kind of got nerdier, basically. I started, I started catching myself talking about my camera gear and stuff in my videos, um, and then that just kind of started to expand into like, well, maybe I should do a review on this, this lens since I'm talking about it anyway. Like maybe I should do a whole video dedicated to it. And, yeah. um, I tried reviewing like earbuds, like more kind of like just tech, not specifically to cameras. Um, but I didn't really like that as much. Mm. It wasn't, it didn't feel right. Yeah. I, it didn't feel uh, sustainable anyway for me, like as far as my interests go. Yeah. So. Yeah. And did you find yourself spending more and more time in doing, like creating photos and videos and, 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 and kind of nerding out on, on just how do I get better this or this effect or that effect or how did it like, was there a point where it started spiraling? Like where you you just caught yourself being like, oh, I'm spending my evenings and weekends learning or going out and shooting. Yeah, yeah, I mean, probably even even before I started the channel, I started getting really like, you know, I was, we're in bed getting ready, to, getting ready to go to sleep and, you know, you look at your phone for a little bit and I'm watching tutorials and I'm learning about the gear and, and even stuff that I, I is like way above my ability level. I'm like, I'm taking it all in cause I know it'll be useful later. And, and just like immersing myself in the YouTube photography, videography community. Mm -hmm. Um, so it felt very second nature when that eventually happened. Um, and yeah, just, just shooting a lot. And a lot of it was based around and still is based around the, the YouTube channel. Like I don't, I don't often just like go shooting for the sake of going shooting. Like it usually has like some kind of purpose and then that works its way back, either works its way back into the YouTube channel or was for the YouTube channel to start with. Yeah. Um, but on the, on the rare occasion that I get some time off or whatever and, and Megan and I go down to Banff or something, of course, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the camera and get as many beautiful mountain shots as I can and, and that kind of stuff. So, and like for holidays and stuff like that, it's nice to, nice to do. It's a little tough to find a balance of like, am I working or am I, that's am right. I on vacation? But, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, no, that's, that's kind of the, the place that got me, that got me moving in that direction was just like the, the whole YouTube community. And it's a really, it's a really massive community. And like, you know, like some of the, some of the bigger, um, channels, even in that niche have millions and millions of subscribers. So 
to think that like not even nobody has all of the people who watch those videos as their subscribers. So to think you see someone with two or three million subscribers and to think that they're only really just the tip of the iceberg, like it's it's a way bigger community than you'd think it would be. Mm -hmm. And does photography and videos, do they give you the same fulfillment as kind of what music was to you back when you were making music for yourself? Or is it a different kind of... I guess that's, yeah. Does it give you the same joy as creating, you know, a song from scratch for yourself or for one of your clients or, you know, when you're starting something from scratch? You know, for me, I've always felt, you know, doing video that, you know, creating something from nothing has always given me that fulfillment. So, I mean, for you, how is that, especially with the music side of things and then now you're into videos and photos... Does it give you the same fulfillment or is it, is it a different kind so, of feel? It's, it's funny. It, it almost sometimes feels like it's less about creating and more about learning for me. And this, I guess, goes back to like kind of what we were talking about before with my, my three fancy pieces of paper and how I just continually hopped from, from diploma to, to diploma. Is like It's almost as much about the, the troubleshooting and the learning process for me as it is about the actual outcome because as soon as like I finish something like yay there's like that moment of like hey this is cool but then it's always like okay what's next you know and so and I think that that uh this part of my life the the video and photo stuff gives me that same um that same thing that music did in that sense where it was like I was always wanting to to learn and to move forward with it and and that kind of thing but there's like I'm I'm a baby again I'm I'm fresh with it and I don't I feel like I don't know anything obviously now like two two and a half years in of like doing this stuff I do know some things and I teach them on my channel so hopefully I'm teaching them right but but it's I feel like there's still so much to learn whereas like at this point I've been doing audio for 15 years or so um so it's like not not to say that I there's nothing I have to learn like there's still lots to learn there but I'm there's there is something fulfilling about being so new to something that like you have to learn you have everything to learn. Mm-hmm. You don't even know what you don't know yet, yes. you know, like that kind of thing. Um, and so I think that's part of the fulfillment that I get out of out of the video and photo stuff right now is like that that kind of troubleshooting and, and figuring things out as I go um, and, and learning from, from just like YouTube and like in an informal kind of way is a lot of fun too because you have to be... Um, you have to be very careful because I'll go and watch, let's say, like five or six different YouTube tutorials on the same thing, and they might be all saying something different. Mm. And so then it's up to me to take all that information and go test it and find out what works best for me and what I think is the actual way that people should be doing it. And sometimes that ends up in me making a video about it because I feel like, you know, I figured out the way that works best for me. I should pass this information on. And that's that's really what my channel is. And, and I don't necessarily talk about it a whole lot um but it's usually like i found out something cool let me pass that on to you um and and i get lots of lots of comments and stuff from people that obviously assume that that's what i do full time and that i've probably been a filmmaker for years and years and that i'm making all sorts of sorts of different kinds of films and stuff like that when really it's just like i'm i'm learning too i'm and i think that's why people connect with me Mm -hmm. is is because 
they're in the same process as me and maybe they can tell or they they do or don't know or whatever but it's really just like passing on things as i learn them yeah very very cool and i i want to ask you this because i know especially for a lot of creators uh we sometimes can tend to get in our own way yeah you know and uh especially with the idea of perfection especially when you're creating something whether it's music whether it's photos whether it's video I know for me, when I first started, it took me a little bit of time to be okay with releasing the things that I'm releasing in the world, to the world and to the YouTube community or, or to my friends and family online. Um, for you, how has that process been like? Were you always kind of like, okay, I'm going to learn this and I'm going to post it and I don't really care about, you know, the, 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 the judgment or the criticism or the praise? Um, or did you have to kind of build your way up to that to be like, okay, I know this isn't perfect, but I'm going to release it yeah. anyways. There's lots of content on YouTube in, in this community that talks about that. And so I think early on I found listening to that stuff is like that kind of like just start mentality um, and upload those first couple of videos. And if they're crap, they're crap. And you can delete them later if you really want to, or you can leave them up and that kind of thing. So I never really had that much of a problem. I'm not, I don't think I'm really like a, I don't think I worry too much about what people think. I do, but I don't at the same time. Like those first couple of videos, I don't think I really had a huge issue with being really candid on camera and like, and saying like, Hey, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, I hope you enjoy this. Like mm -hmm. I'm going to just go for it and I don't really care kind of thing. And, yeah. and posting it, I, I do always suggest to people to make a couple of videos before you post them, but I didn't follow my own advice. <laughs> I posted, I think the first, uh, you know what? I might've made one that I scrapped or that like I got through the full editing process and was kind of kind of like, okay, that, that didn't turn out how I wanted it to time to do episode one kind of thing. Like mm -hmm. now, now I know what I want let's, let's move on kind of thing. And then I posted that one. So maybe I kind of took my own advice, but, yeah. but yeah, it's, uh, I still like, I, every once in a while, some of the comments will get to me. Uh, and I, I just argue with people in the comments a little bit, which I probably shouldn't do. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, like I'm not really too worried about it. I think part of that comes from the fact that I have, if I quit YouTube tomorrow, it's not like I'm not depending on it for anything, really. All of a sudden, I would just have free time again, <laughs> which would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, you know, like I've got a stable job. I've got a great marriage. I've got, you know, it's just it's just like a it's a hobby that also kind of has turned into kind of a job, mm -hmm. you know, but like really it's not nothing is relying on me making a YouTube video once a week. So there's very little pressure on it. Mm -hmm. the, all of the pressure is internal, which is good. I, and I like that. And, and my wife jokes that I, I seem stressed all the time and that I love it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, so that all of all of that pressure is all just internal, which which gives really gives me the freedom to kind of take it on with with ease mm -hmm. to some extent. It's really just like, again, about learning and about the the process of troubleshooting and, and sometimes it's more stressful than others. And it was funny yesterday, 
uh, I was having trouble with a with a video and and getting to where I needed to go and that kind of stuff. And I I said to Megan, I said, um, right now I'm stressed, but it's fun stress. And then I went out and tried to shoot the video and everything went wrong and uh, I lost all the light and I was too cold and I couldn't finish it. It was like nothing was good. So I just wasted a couple hours of my life and I came home and was like trying to like salvage what I could because it's like it's a sponsored video. So it's, I have to get it up in time. And one of the lenses that I'm reviewing is a, is a borrowed lens. So I have to send it back and all that kind of stuff. So I am on a bit of a deadline for this one. And when I got home, I'm like, okay, now I'm not in stress fun mode. Now I'm just in stress mode. (laughs) (laughs) So it does, it does have the ability to, to change on me, but for the most part, it's pretty, it's pretty low pressure and I don't stress too much about what people think about it. Um, beyond just like playing the, playing the YouTube game kind of thing and trying to like, obviously I'm trying to grow and, and you know, gain gain exposure and, and a bigger audience and that kind of stuff but absolutely yeah. yeah and i mean obviously from what i've seen uh you're growing quite well on yeah. youtube and you're you've grown a pretty big following and obviously it's still growing which is which is amazing yeah. um how has your process changed in in, in any way over the over the years of uh, just creating you know for me um I've tend to see myself when I'm creating now, I have uh, more stricter, I guess, deadlines, um, things that I need to do on certain days at certain times, uh, especially with the podcast. And, and, um, before when I started with the creative stuff, it was very more open and fluid and whenever kind of motivation and inspiration kind of hit, I'd kind of do it. Um, but for you now kind of uploading on a weekly basis and, and posting a, a lot of content, um, has your process changed? What, what kind of process do you kind of go into when you're, when you're, when you're creating so much content? It's changed a little bit, but mostly just to try to improve efficiency. Mostly I, I right off the bat, knowing myself really well, I knew I needed to have some kind of a structure to it. So I said once a week. That's going to be Monday, 6.30 a.m., and that hasn't changed since my first video. Um, and so I, I, I knew I needed that, but as far as like the actual process of like when I shoot things and how I shoot things, that's changed a bunch um, throughout, I mean, first of all, different types of content. So like when it was the more vlog stuff, it wasn't planned at all. Like sometimes I would kind of come up with a concept uh, based on like what I thought I was doing that day. Um, but other than that, it was basically up to what happened that day. And I just happened to have the camera there. So there was very little organization needed really other than like throughout whatever we're going to do today, I'm going to talk about, uh, I don't know, pick a concept and try and be motivational or whatever. Like that's, that's kind of where it started. And then when it started to get more into teaching and tutorials and, and reviews and that kind of stuff, then I started to like structure it a little bit more. And, and then it came down to like, okay, I need to shoot uh, a talking head part and then B-roll and this and this and this. Where does that fit into my busy schedule? Um, keeping my weekends with Megan has been very important to me, uh, both uh, set up boundaries for, for Resonate and for my, my YouTube stuff. So my, 
resonate and YouTube stuff happens in five days a week. And then I have two days with, with Megan, which is probably the most important boundary that I've set. Um, and so that kind of dictates the structure a little bit because I really only have so much time. It used to be that I would do, I would get up at like five o'clock in the morning and I would do most of my work between like five and eight before Megan got up. And then, um, and then I would have that for five days a week. So it ended up being like three hours a day. And then I would find somewhere in there to film, mm -hmm. you know, what, whatever that would happen to be. Not usually while she was sleeping because yeah. we live in a small apartment and that wouldn't work. Yeah. What is up, YouTube? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> That'd be the worst way to wake up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so and then it, it's kind of evolved now. And because my job uh, with Resonate has evolved, too, and I'm doing video and photo work for Resonate, um, so I've shifted my schedule a little bit and now for the most part, I have like one day a week where I, I shoot one video kind of thing, which has its pros and cons. It's, uh, it's hard because sometimes that one day, like if you're like, oh, I'm going to do something on time lapsing or I'm going to shoot, do a video about shooting against the sun. And then you go outside and it's cloudy. Yeah. Like you got to come up with a new concept real quick. Cause you've only got that one day a week to shoot. Yeah. Um, but it, it also allows me to focus a little bit more, uh, on that one day instead of trying to spread things out. Cause you know, when you, you know, when you shoot something and you don't get to edit it for like four days and you're like, what did I shoot? And like, well, did I have a clip of this or did I, maybe I forgot to shoot that and you don't remember what 100%. happened and everything. Yeah. It's nice to like shoot and then like edit immediately afterwards, Yeah, you know? And yeah. then sometimes, sometimes I sneak in a couple of hours of editing on Saturday and Sunday mornings before, before Megan wakes up. But. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I can totally resonate with, uh, with what you're saying. Yeah. And I'll ask you this, cause as a, as a videographer, um, you know, I've been doing it for, for, for a number of years now and working on so many different projects. I have a goal to, to continue learning like you. Yeah. And, and hopefully one day possibly either work in bigger budget projects, do things that are completely out of my realm yeah. and just be around other creators and, 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 and learn from them, but also kind of uh, work on something that's a lot bigger than uh, uh, stuff that I'm working on right now. So for you, uh, obviously with what you're doing, it's kind of kind of your own thing doing what you need to do to kind of learn and kind of expand your horizons on certain uh, topics and subjects and, and, and technical stuff. But would you ever want to work in like a, in a, in a bigger budget uh, production or work with like a number of creators on like a, like a big thing? Yeah. Is that something that you've ever thought about? I don't know. Uh, yeah, it definitely is something that I've thought about. I, and I still don't really know what the answer is though. Like, yeah. you know, a, a lot of, a lot of people who get into the, the YouTube video photo thing, they get into it because that's what they're pursuing. And that is a the, kind of the same way that uh, teaching music was to being a musician. Yes. It's like, it's a, it's a viable thing that I can do right now you know, that potentially can make me a little bit of money or, or keep me busy and keep me practicing or whatever it happens to be. Um, and, and so I think a lot of people get into it that way, but I kind of got into it the opposite way. Like I got into it just to do YouTube. Mm -hmm. And so then, then there's that, the question comes up is like, okay, well then does this 
expand? Do I want to take on commercial work? Or do I want to do, uh, you know, do I ever want to get into feature films or documentaries or, right. or that kind of stuff? And it's, uh, at this point, I can't even fathom taking on anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah of <laughs> You course. know, it, was, it, would be, it would be the kind of thing where something else would have to give. Mm-hmm. Either I'd have to take a little bit of time away from Resonate or I'd have to, you know, give up the, the YouTube thing for a while to, to make that a reality. So yeah. at this point, you know, I have a decent amount of people asking me if they want or if I can do X project and generally I just say no because mm-hmm. I just, I, there is no, there is no time left in the calendar basically. Yeah. Um, and as far as whether I really ever want to, I don't know. I feel like I want to do more, more, uh, kind of cinematic stuff on my YouTube channel and not, not so strictly lately, especially it's been very strictly gear and, and, teaching and tutorials and those kinds of things and that's that's cool but it has gotten to a point where like i said before like the only reason that i go out shooting is just for the the youtube channel Mm -hmm. and it it does it feels creative and it's and it's fun to do go through the whole process of coming up with a concept and writing out a script or bullet points or whatever it is and then deciding on the shots and and putting the whole edit together and stuff like that but it uh I would like to expand that a little bit, but I still think it would be within the confines of my YouTube channel uh, and that kind of like self-directed kind of work. It would just be kind of a different genre Mm. Um, rather than like, you know, being a DP on somebody else's project and and like, or being like an AC or something like that and just pulling focus. Yeah, I was curious about that. I was curious just to see if, if that realm of big production um, was something that maybe, you know, piqued your interest. Yeah, it, like it does. Like I would love to be a fly on the wall a little bit maybe or just like kind of get thrown into that for one project. Yeah. You know, like with with no no commitment needed to yeah, like exactly. try and try and turn it into anything. Like yeah. I feel like if, if somebody asked me to come and do something like that on a bigger project, that would be a lot of fun. But uh but also really stressful. Like that's at the that's, same time. That's yeah. what I do at work. You know? Yeah, that's, of course. I have I have somebody else who's paying me to, you know, like the clients who are paying me to do this specific job and and that kind of thing. So that would be like an extension of that. Whereas with, again, with YouTube, I make whatever video I want whenever I want. I the only boundaries that I have, I I put on myself. Yeah. And if I'm not feeling up to it. I don't make a video that week and that's no, there's nobody to answer to, Yeah, you know, Susan, Susan from YouTube isn't calling me being like, Hey, Donna, where was your video this month? Hey, I didn't see you. Yeah. The the platform is dying without you, you know, like there's, there's no, there's no pressure. And that's, I think that's really what, one of the reasons why I've held on as long as I have to YouTube is because it's, it's still fun because there's no pressure. It's mm-hmm. like going and playing a game of pickup with the boys. Like, yeah. It's, it's really no different than that. Once a week I do my thing and I have some fun doing it and you know, it's a challenge and I learn a lot and mm-hmm. I get to, I get to connect with the community. It is really my sense of community now because I don't get out much and I kind of like it that way. Yeah. But, uh, I have a, a really strong sense of community from this whole thing and I've made lots of friends along the way and most of them online. And then I got to meet some of them in person here and yeah. there. And yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and you went on a trip recently, right? With uh, the, was it a Sony, Sony yeah, camp, right? Sony camera camp. Yeah, that was fun, and I got to meet a lot of the a lot of the people that I've connected with online through that, like mm -hmm. people who are in the same process or at the same level or have been doing it a similar amount of time, and then people who I looked up to when I first started and and still look up to, and and you know, and then even some people who look up to me, and like that was that was a really cool experience to to get to do that. Yeah, no, that's that's amazing. What would you say to the creator who's trying to figure out what kind of content they want to make? And, you know, they, they dabble in the videos, they want to do videos. This is a personal question? No, no, <laughs> I, uh, I used to be like that. Yeah. I used to not know, I used to do a lot of experimentation. Yeah. You know, I used to do vlogs, same thing, vlogs. I did pranks when it came to comedic skits. Yeah. All private, by yeah. the way. <laughs> you can't find any of these online. Anymore, <laughs> they're really, really bad. Uh, but I remember going through that process a lot because I loved creating and I didn't have that structure. Yeah. You know? And so for that creator who is maybe A, looking for structure, B, trying to kind of find their way in trying to create videos. Yeah or even photos in that matter, what would you say to them? What's, what's, I mean, what's, what's worked for you, obviously? Yeah, I mean, what's worked for me is basically just following what I, what I would want to talk about. You know, it's, it, there are kind of two, two ways that I look at it. I, I make content for me because I am, and if I, when I look at my like analytics and I look at my, my demographic, the people who watch my video, it's basically me. It's like 85% men between 20 and 35 <laughs> like it's it's basically just me yeah. <laughs> you know so it's like making making the videos for yourself uh pretending you're the audience kind of thing has has two benefits first of all you're going to be interested in it so you're not gonna you're not trying to make something for for somebody else like let's say you you wanted to make I don't know, knitting videos or something. You'd like knitting videos are where it's at. I'm going to make videos for grannies, you know, that kind of thing. And, yeah. and, uh, so you start making knitting videos, but you're not really into knitting. <laughs> you just thought it would be a good idea. Like you're going to burn out on that pretty quick because you're not actually interested in it. So by making videos for yourself as the audience, of course, you're going to stay interested in that for as long as you're interested in it. And you can always change on, on, these platforms too you can always shift if it stops being interesting to you and then the other thing too um is to like i i would say just like if you were to sit down and talk with somebody for half an hour and just like babble where does your conversation go what do you want to talk about and that's like a really great way to to kind of determine and and also not to put too much pressure on yourself to figure that out right away like I said, my channel started as vlogs and it was like just my kind of daily life and that kind of stuff. And then the camera stuff started to really just like seep into it. And then it was kind of a, a bit of a, it was a slow transition, but there was kind of a light bulb moment when it was like, oh, I should like make more of an effort to like do the camera stuff because I really like that. Um, so, I mean, the the experimentation, the stuff that you were doing and, and the stuff that I did with the vlogs, like... I feel like that's exactly what people should do. And I feel like, especially right off the hop, like don't get too hung up on like finding a niche or a specific genre. Or, or the numbers. Or, or the numbers. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. the the nice thing about your first video is that nobody knows who you are yet. So if you totally mess it up, 
probably nobody's watching. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you've got yeah. that, you know, you're going to get your, maybe your friends and family or something like that. And that's of course what, what makes it so stressful. But if you're worried about that, don't tell them yeah. just upload a video and then random people on the internet or might see it. Yeah. You know, YouTube might feed it to some, to somebody who just hopped on kind of thing. And that's, you don't really have to worry about it too much. You get, you get that kind of grace period before anybody knows you to experiment. Mm -hmm. And then, and then by the time that you've figured out what you want to do with it, that's for me anyway, that was about the same point that my audience started to grow too. It was like, it kind of, it kind of gradually did this. And then that was, those were the people that wanted to watch my, my content. And then, it, and then it starts to go back out again. Yeah. That's so. very interesting. And I feel like a lot of, I know, especially nowadays with, with just, so, there's so many platforms, right? There's so many things that so many different types of content that you can create. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people try to spread themselves too thin. You know, they're trying to be on every platform because, you know, you're supposed to be on every platform, right? And you're supposed to make content for every platform. But I feel like, you know, for me, I feel like as a creator, I feel like that's a pre like uh, stupid pressure yeah. to try to create native specific content for each platform. Um, but number two, it almost feels again, it feels like you're it's like a duty of yours now all of a sudden that you have to you have to drop content on each, each platform. Yeah. And I mean, how do you feel about it? How do you feel about, you know, you, you know, cause you are obviously making specific content for YouTube, but you know, for, for creators out there, what would you say to, to those, those people that I are... think personally, I, I feel like you should go on the platforms that you actually like. Mm -hmm. I stopped using Facebook basically at all. I go on there every once in a while and like upload and say like, Hey, I've got a new video over on YouTube, go watch it there kind of thing. But that's about it because yeah. I don't like Facebook. So yeah. I don't want to spend any time on there. Yeah. I realized that I could be doing things over there that I might not be able to do on YouTube or Instagram or whatever, but I don't like it. I don't, yeah. I personally don't like the platform, so yeah. I'm not going to use it. Um, I think the only time that you should really feel pressure to use all the platforms is if your sole purpose is to grow that as a business, then by ignoring certain platforms, you're, you're taking away possibilities. But, uh, in the same way you are spreading yourself thin too. So it only makes the reason that I say it only makes sense if like, that's your sole purpose is to grow that as a business is because, um, assuming that if you're trying to grow it as a business, you have the time to try and grow it as a business. Right. If I had more than one day a week to work on my videos, maybe I'd do more on TikTok or something like yeah. that. You know, like yeah. I started a TikTok account. Have you? Yeah. I put up a couple of videos that were just like kind of nothingness. Yeah. And then I, I recognized pretty quickly that like, okay, it's fun. I see the appeal. Not for me. Moving on. Right. You know, like right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to force gonna myself. You're not going to force the, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you can, uh, and again, if, if you're trying to grow it as a business, there might be some value in trying to kind of force that a little bit, um, in that you can kind of spread out your, uh, your influence and, and try and even like usher people to other stuff, yeah. you know, like using, let's say IGTV that have snippets of your YouTube videos and then say, watch the whole video on YouTube and right. then, and then kick people over to YouTube kind of thing. Um, but or like doing specific content for each platform yeah. only really makes sense if 
excuse me, if you have the time to do it. And right. I don't know a lot of people that do if that's like a side thing, you yeah. know? And that's that's how like most content creators start is like it's like their side thing. It is, yeah. So I think, I think really it makes a lot of sense to try and build up on like one, maybe two platforms. Like I really like the YouTube-Instagram combo. Yeah. Uh, especially for videographers and photographers because you've got obviously like YouTube is video, photos go on Instagram. Totally. Like that's the way that it works. And then stories are perfect for little like promo-y stuff. And yeah. like, here's behind the scenes. Like there's like, it's almost like a perfect, uh, a perfect little triangle of where all the little bits and pieces go. And then like you're covered. Yeah. And, uh, and YouTube hasn't really figured out the stories thing yet. Yeah. They exactly. have them, but they're bad. Yeah. <laughs> they don't work as well as Instagram does. But. Totally. No, I like that. One one other thing I was going to ask you is, um, do you have any, I guess, rituals or things that you do on a daily, as a, just, just as a human being, you know, just as being you, is there something that you do every single day to kind of get your, you know, to get your day started, or maybe you're ending your day, and for example, one of my good friends, Raj, you know, he owns uh, a bunch of uh, clinics here in the city, a very successful entrepreneur. Um, he says that every night he'll watch uh, brainless television, has popcorn, chills, you know, does his thing. Yeah. Watch brainless television, just, just kind of shut his mind just off and kind of decompress. Yeah. That's his way of decompressing. Yeah. And for you as being an entrepreneur, but also a creator, doing so many different things. Yeah. Do you have something that you kind of do? That's... I do. I mean, I do that. Like yeah. my, my, Megan and I watch watch TV and stuff when we're, you know, end of the day, watch an episode or, or a movie or something like that. That's kind of a, uh, a, a ritual, if you will. Um, and then I think mornings are kind of my, my ritual, I guess. Like I wake up, I make my oatmeal with a scoop of protein powder and a, and a scoop of peanut butter in it every nice. morning. That's, yeah. and then I, and I make my coffee and I have like, what uh, time do you wake up? You might 530. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. It's usually, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm up nice and early. Yeah. Um, and I, I make AeroPress coffee. I have uh, either AeroPress or I have a Chemex that I make. So I kind of make like fancy types of coffee. Nice. Uh, and like, I like the process of that. It's very like therapeutic. Um, and, uh, and so like it takes a little bit longer than just like hitting the button on the drip machine kind of thing. And you're like a little bit more involved in the process. And so, I'm kind of just chilling and, and that kind of thing. And then I grab, grab my coffee and my oatmeal and I go over and I like watch a YouTube video of like, just go to my subscription feed or whatever. And whoever's posted a new video, like I go and watch something there. And then after that point, that's like kind of when usually like editing or whatever starts right. uh, in the morning. Nice. Yeah. And how does, um, you know, does fitness play a role in your life? at all <laughs> it should. I'm, just, I'm just curious yeah no it, it does I, I know yeah. for a lot of entrepreneurs and people that are creatives they, they like to they also like to keep themselves fit and well, yeah. a lot of the ones I know anyway yeah so. when I actually if you if you go digging on my channel there's a video called how I lost 80 pounds and uh and so fitness did play a huge role in my life for for quite a while and and both uh Megan and I kind of at the same time we we decided that we wanted to make a change in the health in our in our lives, and at the same time, we both got uh, online trainers and started doing some some pretty heavy like 
uh, rearranging of our diets and that kind of stuff. And we both lost a pile of weight and we're like, it was something that we did together, which was really awesome. Nice. Um, and there was like a connection that became or that came because of that, uh, which was really awesome. And, and it played a huge role in, in my videos too, because I was vlogging at the time. So it ended up being like a part of, of what I was doing at the time. I lost a pile of weight, um, got, got in the best shape of my life. And then, uh, things picked up in life and, and that kind of has kind of come and gone, um, since, uh, and, uh, it's something that I like am getting back into as of like very recently. Um, but, and then I did, I did a bunch of like kind of more weightlifting. I got another online trainer for a while there that like was helping me with more, uh, kind of trying to bulk up and stuff. And so I, I go through these kinds of, uh, these kinds of waves depending, but it's like, you don't it's, have like a like a strict crazy routine. Like I did you know, when, like, oh, okay. when yeah. I was when I was like in the process of losing all that weight. It oh, okay, was like yeah, really yeah. really strict and and crazy. But now was uh, that something that you, uh, I guess you and Megan kind of decided and were just like, yeah. okay, we're gonna do this and we're gonna stick to it three, four, five times a week, whatever the routine yeah. was, and then no matter what, you kind of... Yeah, yeah, it, it, it was it was high on the priority list. Oh, okay, And, what, and what's happened now, there's that, in the priority list, there's like marriage, work, YouTube, and then there's this funny line where like anything anything below the line isn't going to happen because you because you <laughs> ran out of time, right. and the and the gym happens to like kind of it's, it's float on that line, yeah. and it's like so if 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 the stuff at the top starts to take up a little bit more space, the gym gets pressed down Fair. beneath that. Yeah, I try and uh, the the goal is always to um, make it so that the uh, the nutrition is there first, and then the gym kind of thing because I know that. The, the nutrition, if you ask any, any trainer or whatever, they'll tell you that your nutrition is as important, if not more important than the actual uh, exercise itself. So the goal is always to try and keep the nutrition number one and then the, the exercise. And also, actually, Megan and I were having a talk about this the other day. The nutrition is, is something that I'm going to have to do anyway. I, I don't have to go to the gym, yeah. but I do have to eat. Yeah. So I might as well try and put something healthy in my body. And yeah. so that usually what happens is if I find myself slipping, the first thing I do is I say, okay, well, I got to get my nutrition back in, in check. And then once I get that back in check, then I can try and work in the gym. Yeah. And the nice thing too is that they influence each other because you don't, it's like buying a buying a nice pair of sunglasses or something. You're more likely to take care of them because they cost a lot of money. Right. So like if I eat healthy, I don't want to waste that by not going to the gym. And if I'm going to the gym, I don't want to waste that by not eating healthy. Right. So they kind of influence it. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So, but yeah, the last the last year or so um since YouTube has picked up a lot, um I've been finding that the the gym has been slacking a little, little borderline. Yeah, yeah, gaining a little bit of weight, but I was and I was also doing a lot of like like heavy lifting and and uh increasing my calories for a while there too. And yeah. then I think what happened is I I actually got in a uh an accident on this crazy contraption that I ride called a one wheel. Um oh. and I I hurt my ankle pretty bad and I wasn't able to do a lot at the gym for a long time until like probably two weeks ago I, yeah. I got hurt in june yeah and like i just finally am able to run again um so i just kind of started getting back to the gym but 
I could have been I could have been doing something, but I decided to do yeah. nothing for some reason. Yeah. You know, it's like I can't run, so I should be, you know, doing upper body workouts or something like that. I'm just I'll just be the guy who skips leg day all the time or something. But yeah. I opted to put my efforts somewhere else. We just lost a camera. Damn. Battery exhaust. <laughs> all good. We still got one. We there. still got one. Yeah. I'm gonna ask you a couple quick round kind of rapid okay. rapid questions lightning round, lightning round. Yeah. so this is the lightning round for for the second floor here okay um favorite creator currently or of all time oh, man. someone that you either have looked up to or you you've seen and you admire their work or someone that kind of pops in your head right away mm, becky and chris slash matt diavella I like that. Yeah. I like Matt. I like Matt Diavel. I haven't heard of Becky and Chris. Also. They're friends of mine, so they're unbiased. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, favorite color? Blue. Okay. Um, favorite camera? Sony A7 III. Hey, okay. Okay. Favorite, favorite piece of gear? Uh, Aperture 120D Mark II. Favorite song, currently? Uh, Into the Unknown by Panic at the Disco. It's like the big song from Frozen 2. Nice, because you just <laughs> I saw, saw it. I saw Frozen 2 last night, and it's the first song that plays during the uh, during the credits, but it's like, so during the movie, it's the Adina Menzel version, yeah. and then at the end, it's the Panic at the Disco version, and like, it's dope. It's so good. Yeah, nice. It's crazy. I'll have to listen to it. Yeah. Uh, favorite movie, since we're on that topic? Uh, Frozen. No. Yeah. Uh, currently, no, currently, yeah. not not of all time, but just currently, yeah. something maybe either recent or. Yeah, Joker hit me hard. I think that was a killer. Yeah, movie. I saw yeah. that. It was really yeah. good. Yeah. It was a, a really, really incredible. I've been watching a lot of like how it was made yeah. and stuff too, and it's very, very cool. Yeah. Um, favorite place you've been? Banff. Really? Yeah. Out of all the places, hey all Banff. The places, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. That's, that's a funny one too, because people, yeah, are always. Yeah, like, I was like, I was gonna go anywhere maybe, in the world. Yeah, like Canadian Rockies, like, yeah, Alberta, right here. Wow, yeah. wow, amazing. Well, that's it for that rapid round. Um, I'm gonna kind of conclude it, Donna. And um, one last question that we kind of ask all of our guests, and uh, you know, as far as the second floor goes, we kind of our philosophy and kind of theme is uh, how to strive how to survive and keep the good vibes in life and business yeah. and kind of elevating to that second floor, if you will, in kind of all, all parts of your life and whatever yeah. that is. So to you, uh, what is the second floor to you? What is that? What is that getting to that next level or striving to, to get to that next it's, level? It's inertia. I think is like it, the, it's like, if you ever find yourself stagnant, I feel like you've, you're, you're not elevated. But if you find yourself continually getting, getting better and learning more and, and improving yourself and all that kind of stuff, I feel like that's, that's when you're on that, you know, that next level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's mostly uh, uh, almost like the, the, that saying of like it's, it's in the process not the, or it's in the journey, not the destination. Yeah. I think it's like continuing on the on the journey and like as soon as you stop I feel like you've you've let yourself down and you got to keep keep moving forward yeah that's what it is for me anyway I like that I like that and obviously the the learning um 
you know, in the creative space is obviously super fulfilling yeah, for you. Absolutely. And yeah. um, and trying to get to that, I guess, next level or second floor, if you will, in uh, you know technical aspect and just in life in general. I feel like yeah, for for me, you're someone that I admire and what you've done and what you kind of your creative process i kind of i just want to say i appreciate it Thanks, and uh it's been cool to to see you doing your thing and uh yeah I, I look forward to to seeing what what else you bring in the next coming years and, and what you do so nice. thanks man yeah i look forward to seeing how you deal with the audio at the end of this <laughs> yeah we'll see how it goes <laughs> yeah yeah anyway man i appreciate you coming yeah, coming thanks, on to the man. second floor man yeah, thank you thanks dude yeah appreciate it